Are you ready for the word? All right, turn to the book of John chapter 12 and beginning with verse number 12. John chapter 12 and beginning with verse number 12. Let's look at this scripture. We've already heard it this morning, but let's look at it again. John chapter 12 and verse number 12. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him. And they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, set upon it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, setting on a donkey's colt. If you go to Luke chapter 19, just for a few moments, Luke chapter 19, I want you to see something else. This same story is located also in Luke chapter 19. And I want you to look verse number 35. Luke 19, verse 35. Then they brought to Jesus, then they brought him to Jesus on a colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. And then as he drew nearing to the descent of the Mount of Olives, a whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in the heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, saying, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these stones should keep silent, the stones would immediately begin to cry out. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought as we finish our or continue our sermon series on Rethink Easter I want to look at the thought, the unexpected king, the unexpected king. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son. We thank you that you are with us today. I ask that everything that's said and everything that's done would bring you the glory. I pray that your word would go forth in good soil. I pray that there would be no distractions, but that we would receive it with meekness of heart. And we won't fail to praise you for it. And everyone said, Amen. How many would agree that we've been in a sermon series called Rethink Easter? How many has been here the last few weeks? Raise your hand. Rethink Easter. And every week what we have been doing is we have been taking or looking at the events that surround Easter and we've been pulling some things from those events and see how it is applicable to our life. The first week we learned about the three crosses the second week, we learned about the Garden of Gethsemane. Last week, we learned about the burial of Jesus Christ. And this week, we're going to look at Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, or what we is referred to as Palm Sunday. Next week, we're going to look at the resurrection of Jesus. So hopefully, what you have seen over the last few weeks, we have taken these stories that surround Easter, and we're building up to the Easter story which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So for centuries, the Sunday before Easter has been celebrated as, uh, as Palm Sunday or as the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It is what we call Palm Sunday because those people took palm branches and they begin to wave, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Palm Sunday is exactly five days before the crucifixion of Jesus. And every day this week, people around the world will be commemorating the death 
and, uh, uh, of Jesus and not only his death, but they'll be commemorating the events that led up to his death and his resurrection. Although we will not be having services this week, I encourage you to come on Friday night so that we can remember the death and the passion of Jesus Christ. So this is Palm Sunday. And in this story, it is just not a story of tradition. It is a story that holds great truth. Because this story is found in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I believe that the gospel writers wants us to see something because the story is recorded in all four gospels. All four gospels, the same story is recorded. And I believe that holds significance. I believe that holds great truth. That if the story is recorded in all four Gospels, then I believe that we need to rethink the story. We need to take off, uh, we need to look at the story through our spiritual eyes and have the Holy Spirit to illuminate the revelation that is in front of us. There is only one revelation, but many illuminations of the one revelation. And so hopefully, as we look at this story this morning, you will see that the Holy Spirit wants to illuminate great truth to you because the Word of God is truth. The Bible says in John 17, 17, Thy word is truth. You see, everything we read this morning contains truth that can change your life. I want you to rethink this story, and I don't want you to look at this story as some traditional thing that we do once a year. Please don't do that. Don't look at this story as just palm branches. Don't look at this story as Jesus riding in just on a donkey. But I really want you to look at it, and I want you to see yourself in this story. The very first thing that I want you to see is I want you to see the king in this story. I want you to see the king in this story. The Bible says in John chapter 12 and verse number 14, the Bible says that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Somebody shout out donkey. Jesus was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now ladies and gentlemen, this is strange and this is weird. It is very different and strange for Jesus to be riding in Jerusalem on a donkey. Because it is the custom of a king to ride on a war horse. Romans, generally, if they conquered a providence, or if they are a Roman general, or if they're an emperor, usually Roman generals would ride on, on a war horse. And so it was very common for Jews to see Roman uh, generals riding on, on a war horse after their victory. But Jesus... Here is riding into Jerusalem, not on a war horse, but he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Now, donkey is symbolizing humility in this story because Jesus is trying to paint a picture here. Jesus is simply saying, I want you to rethink what I'm trying to do here. This is just not a, a, a political kingdom. This is just not what you're thinking that I'm trying to do. This is totally different. I, I'm, do, I'm setting up a different kingdom and I want you to have a different mindset because the Jewish people was looking for a political kingdom. They wanted freedom from the Romans. They wanted freedom from the Romans. They were looking for a political kingdom. They wanted a political Messiah to overthrow the Romans and to set up a kingdom like unto David where it was peace and prosperity. But you see, Jesus came in riding on a donkey because he is telling us that I am establishing a new kingdom. I am not establishing a political kingdom. I am not here to overthrow the Romans. I am not here to do what you want me to do. I am here on a mission, and I have come to bring 
bring the kingdom of God in the hearts of men and women. You see, God don't always do what you want Him to do. And sometimes we can scratch our head and we get frustrated and we get angry at God because we want God to do something so bad. But God is saying, listen, I want you to rethink this thing because I am not going to come down on your level. I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I am coming to bring a new kingdom. I'm ushering in a new kingdom and you need to rethink what I'm trying to do here. Jesus is riding on a donkey because he's, he is, he is uh, uh, fulfilling what the, pro- the prophet said. The prophet said in Zechariah 9 and verse 9, and I quote, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, and he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. You see, Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. He's causing these people to think differently. I mean, he's not coming on on a war horse. He's not coming in like a Roman general. He's coming in on a donkey. What kind of kingdom does Jesus have? Jesus has a total different kingdom. If you're going to be a king, you've got to have a kingdom. And Jesus has a total different kingdom. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in John 18 and 36, and I quote, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, my servants would fight so that I should be delivered So I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Jesus specifically said that his kingdom was not of this earth. You see, the Jews wanted a political kingdom. They wanted free from the Romans. But Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not of this world. It's nothing that you can think of. It's totally different. And let me ask you a question this morning. What kind of kingdom did Jesus have? If Jesus wasn't a political king, if Jesus wasn't establishing a political kingdom, what kind of kingdom does Jesus have? Well, I want you to look at it. Jesus, number one, he has no guards or officers in his kingdom. As a matter of fact, you know the story. Peter got so anxious because he wanted Jesus to establish his kingdom that Peter took out a sword and cut off the ear of the servants. But Jesus has no guards, he has no officials in his kingdom. All he has is 12 poor, humble fishermen. That's all he has. All he has is 12 poor, humble fishermen because Jesus is trying to tell us that discipleship is the highest degree in my kingdom. I value discipleship. You see, in his kingdom, the laws are not written on paper. His laws are not written on paper. As a matter of fact, in his kingdom... He writes His laws on our heart. No longer are they heralded by someone else. No longer are they written and decreed by emperors. But now He has issued His law upon the tablets of our hearts. His kingdom is nothing. uh, There's nothing rich about His kingdom. I mean, just think about it. Nobody is waving banners in the parade. Nobody laid out splendid purple for Him to walk on. I mean, it wasn't a rich parade. He didn't have all the gold and the glamour of Christianity today. There was nothing rich about His kingdom. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't even have a head, didn't even have a pillow to lay His head at night. Jesus had to borrow a boat to preach from. Even His place of birth, He was born in a manger, not fit for a king. 
There is nothing rich about His kingdom. As a matter of fact, the Bible says they laid clothes out for Him to walk upon. You see, not purple, not splendid royal purple for Him to walk on, but just torn, ratted clothes. And they waved palm branches. They didn't wave banners. They didn't wave, uh, they didn't wave uh, uh, things that uh, usually a king would have. But they waved palm branches and laid out clothes for him. Nothing special about this kingdom. Nothing rich about this kingdom. You see, this kingdom didn't have armed forces. There was no soldiers in this kingdom. There's no swords in this kingdom. There's no bloodshed in this kingdom. There's no devastation in this kingdom. There's no burned cities in this kingdom. There's no mangled bodies in this kingdom. There is no armed forces in this kingdom. There is not a fleet of chariots in this kingdom. There's no force in the, there's no swords in this kingdom. The only force that's in this kingdom is the force of love. You see? The force of love. This kingdom is without taxation. The Jewish people were burdened by the taxes of the Roman Empire. But Jesus brings a kingdom without taxation. You see, his revenue flowed freely from the willing gifts of the people. The willing gifts of the people were simply their clothes and simply their palm branches. There was no demand for their praise. There was no demand for their money. The people willingly gave of their clothes and willingly waved their palm branches. This is a kingdom without taxation. Even the donkey that he rode upon was a borrowed donkey. Even the clothes that they laid down was not his clothes. It was the clothes from the crowd. Because this kingdom, the free will offerings of the people come from the from the from the hearts of the people. It's not coming from a demand. They're not forced to give anything. It's just the revenue flowed freely from the willingness of the gifts of the people. You see, this kingdom is without taxation. This kingdom is without armed forces. This kingdom is not rich. This kingdom, their laws are not written on paper. This kingdom has no guards or officials. This kingdom is a kingdom of joy. Because as Jesus got on the donkey and began to ride into Jerusalem, the Bible says they begin to wave those palm branches. And those religious leaders immediately rebuked Jesus. He said, calm your disciples down. Rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the very stones would begin to cry out. You see, these people was joyous. These people was in celebration. Now, I often thought to myself, why were these people celebrating? Why did they celebrate? Pastor Orlando, give me my palm branch. Why was these people celebrating? They took palm branches and they began to wave it and they began to cry, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's a kingdom of joy because Jesus said, if I tell them to be quiet, the very stones will begin to cry out. And I thought to myself, 
Why did they cry out? Why was the crowd in jubilation that day? Why was the crowd in celebration that day? And my mind's mind couldn't help but to think, what if I was in the crowd? What if I was in the crowd and I saw Jesus come in on a donkey and I was waving my palm branch? What if I was a part of the crowd? And I can't help but to imagine that in the crowd you had a diverse group of people. Maybe in the crowd you had blind Barnabas. Maybe he was in the crowd. And I could just imagine blind Barnabas picking up his palm branch and begin to wave his palm branch and blind Barnabas begin to say, I remember when I was blind and I couldn't see and I just come today to give him a little praise. I come today to give him a little glory. I come today to cry Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe, maybe Lazarus was there. Maybe Lazarus was in the crowd. And Lazarus, I can just see Lazarus sitting beside of Mary, his sister. And Lazarus nudged Mary a little bit and said, Mary, I, I got to come today because I got I to gotta give him praise. I know my palm branch ain't as big as blind Bartimaeus's, but I just got to come here and wave my branch a little bit and let Jesus know that I'm thankful that he raised me from the dead even though I was in the grave for days and I was stinketh and my family gave up on me. I had to come today to wave my branch to give him praise and to give him thanks and to give him glory. Maybe the woman with the issue of blood was there. And I could just imagine the woman with the issue of blood, she was thinking to herself, the last time I was in a crowd, I had to crawl. But she said, I ain't crawling today. I've come to lift my palm branch and tell the world, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. You see, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know who was in the crowd that day. But I can only imagine people were in the crowd that day waving their branch because they want to tell Jesus, thank you for what you've done. As I look at this palm branch, I can't help but to think that the palm tree was used in many different displays in the Scriptures. And if you look at the palm branch, these leaves are always shooting straight up in the air. You see, because this palm branch is a symbol of our praise. Because all praise goes to God. And when you begin to praise God, it should always be directed to Him. I don't have a, a necessarily a real palm branch this morning, but I got two palm branches, which is my hands, and I'm going to lift them up to God and give God praise and glory and adoration today. Somebody say hallelujah. What idea do you have of God? 2,000 years ago, they wanted a political redeemer. They wanted somebody to deliver him from Rome. What idea do you have of God? You see, I want to tell you something. That throughout history, we've had many kings that's conquered many lands and nations and cities. Listen to this preacher. This king 
wants to conquer your heart. He's not after conquering cities and nations. He wants to conquer your heart. The unconquered territory today is the heart of men and women. See, that's what He come to do. He comes to conquer our heart. Let me ask you something. If you see this story, it's, it's quite clear to me. It's very clear to me. I don't know if it's clear to you, but when I look at the story, it's very clear to me that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. Jerusalem, He enters Jerusalem. You see, Jerusalem is our heart. The point of the story is this. He enters our personal Jerusalem. He enters our personal Jerusalem, which is our hearts, and He does it with humility. Jesus doesn't force Himself into your heart. Oh no. Jesus comes to your personal Jerusalem. He rides to your personal Jerusalem with humility. You see, Jesus said, in Revelation 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. You see, Jesus comes to your heart with humility. He doesn't force himself. He doesn't demand you. He doesn't demand your praise. He doesn't demand your money. He doesn't demand your allegiance. He comes to you riding on a donkey. He comes in humility and He wants to enter the gates of your heart. He comes in humility because He respects your free will. He's not a Roman general. He is not demanding praise from the crowd. He comes in humility. The church freely waves their palm branches. He doesn't ask for it. We freely lay our clothes down at His feet. He doesn't demand it because this kingdom is not about force and this kingdom is not about control. This kingdom is a kingdom where our hearts are submitted to Him because we love Him. You see, I, I was reading this story and uh, I love how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because Jesus is riding into Jerusalem and not only is He riding into Jerusalem, but Pastor Orlando, He's riding into Jerusalem because Jesus knows in five days He's going to be crucified. How many days? Five days from that Sunday, He's going to be crucified now, I don't know about you, but most of us would live in seclusion if we knew we had five days to live. <laughs> most of us would lock the doors of our homes and never come out and be depressed. Can I hear an amen? But here Jesus is in public receiving the worship of His followers and He's riding into Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Can I just tell you what the Holy Spirit said? The Holy Spirit said to me, Son, sometimes you've got to ride on into things even though you don't want to ride into it. 
Did you hear me? Sometimes you got to ride on into things even though you don't like what the future holds. Even though you don't want to face tomorrow. Even though you just want to give up and throw in the towel and say, I've had enough. The word of the Lord to some of you this morning is ride on. Keep riding. Don't give up. Keep going forward. Because if he didn't go all the way, you and I would not be saved. Sometimes you've got to ride on. Sometimes you've got to go on. Even though you know what the future holds. Sometimes you've got to keep going even though you know what the future holds. And lastly, they took their palm branches and they took clothes. The Bible says they took these clothes and they laid it out basically for him to walk on. Even though he was on a donkey, they laid all these clothes out. It was their personal clothes that they laid out. And I thought to myself, we, we can't do that anymore. My palm branch, I don't have any palm branches anymore. My hands is my palm branch. But the Bible says not only did they wave palm branches, but they laid clothes out. If the palm branch represents my hands, then what does the clothes represent? You see, the clothes represents your life. You see, let us lay our life at His feet. Let's lay our clothes at His feet. Let's lay our very lives at His feet. Let our hands be the palm branches and let our lives be the clothes that's laid at His feet. Can I hear an amen this morning? This is the miracle of Palm Sunday. This is what Christ came to establish. Came to establish the kingdom within our hearts. Somebody say, Amen. Did you enjoy the word today?